Hey everyone, and welcome to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. Today, I'm so excited to introduce my first episode of our 100 Masked Men series, The Modern Feminist. I'm sitting down with a Muslim man of Pakistani descent, where he shares his story on navigating through Western culture, how identifying himself as a feminist has affected his relationships with both men and women, and some really juicy advice on sex and hookup culture, even though he's actually a virgin and has never gone all the way himself. As a very strong feminist with a lot of experience on sex, there are some very interesting learnings I got from talking to this guy, and I hope you enjoy the show. So we're going to start off with how you describe what men conventionally think about feminism, where they got that idea from, and how that thinking might be problematic. The way they saw it is that feminism has achieved its goal. And so therefore anything from this point on is more women getting special treatment over men, uh, which I had to, well, I, I think it was unsuccessful at the time, but I, I think over time, because this again was during the Me Too movement and the, the infancy of it. Um, so this was an element of proving to them that it isn't just in Hollywood, it is in everyday life. And it also isn't just dealing with sexual harassment, it deals with a lot of other uh, issues uh, in the workplace, from my own experiences, all that sort of stuff. So what those conversations were more about to, were to get my male counterparts to kind of realize that uh, there's a long way left to go in the West and significantly uh, further in other parts of the world. What do they think that was solved? Like, because there is women working now and women can talk about consent, like generally it's already there. Like which part did they think that was done already and which part did you remind well, them that wasn't? They view it as women weren't allowed to vote. Now they have a right to vote. Uh, they also view that quite mistakenly uh, that women are able to like, in the West entirely are able to get abortions legally, but like it's just culturally is a problem. And I had to remind them that there are several aspects, several locations throughout North America where abortions are actually legally uh, not allowed. Um, and then they also believe that yes, women are working. And so therefore, you know, it's their choice whether they want to work or not. They didn't understand about the pay inequity, they didn't understand about the cultural aspects of women in charge, and they also didn't, they, I would say they still don't believe in the societal cultural influences to prevent them from continuing to progress. So uh, those were also, like, they were kind of, <laughs> they were treating me almost like I was conspiracy theorists, but uh, I had to kind of remind them that the information is there, it's just that it's, not prevalent and it is something that you have to find and also a lot of this is uh, based off experiences and then they sort of bring in their own experiences and that is I would say the single most difficult thing to argue is because their family members their friends their friends of friends their co-workers there are a significant amount of women who are not feeling I would say feel feel comfortable uh, expressing their real dissatisfaction or disadvantages to these my male counterparts, but also I would say that some women are quite happy in certain uh, bubbles that they live in. Uh, okay, so it's interesting. You're saying that mainly the biggest issue is just like general ignorance, you know, or in the people not doing all of the homework to understand, and yeah. then generally bringing in their own personal experience, and that's what muddies the water because yes. on the surface, everyone's having a good time, right? Like everyone can navigate as adults. So why is there an extra precaution now with? 
feminism, right? So I can understand why they're just like, well, do we have to consider everything now? I just, uh, I'm curious to what you think your counterparts are in terms of like how fearful they are about any allegations against them. Their greatest fear is that they are going to be accused of mansplaining, uh, being sexist, uh, being, and the most one being accused of rape when they haven't done anything. The problem is, uh, I would say is, men have a very difficult time unlearning the toxic ways of courting a woman. I would say almost predominantly all of my male friends have learned uh, the stereotypical action hero style of dating and going up to a woman and asking them out, asking them for a drink. They've definitely had their own peers to be like, don't take no, don't take no for an answer. But in like, they don't see it as like them like forcing themselves on a woman. It's more like them not cowering to their fears of asking a girl out. But they find it difficult. And also it is highly discouraged from my own experiences not to think too much because if they think too much on what they say or like how they come across then they're going to be afraid and then they're never going to successfully ask a girl out and so therefore like and also women like tough guys and like you know manly men so all of those are perpetuated in our, in our in our circles and Unfortunately, uh, my lack of uh, dating successes don't help me to prove that uh, that is not always the best approach. And also that one thing I've heard at length, and I would say during the Aziz and Sorry situation, men on a whole find the subtleties of influence and fear, they don't believe it they say a woman's like reading into it, but they're not really acknowledging just how scary saying no is. Uh, and they think that if a woman didn't want to, then she would just say no. They, because they feel they're not, well, they're not gonna hurt a woman. But, you know, the woman doesn't know that because the woman has had significant experiences proving otherwise. And they're like, oh, well, that's only once in a while. And it's like, is it once in a while? Because there's a lot of crime statistics will prove otherwise. There's a lot of legal statistics proving otherwise. But they're like, that's, you know, they're like, they don't know about that. And that's where the ignorance come in. And to be fair, I can 100% agree, like watching the new, well, 2020 is an example. We don't want <laughs> to see how depressing things are. It depresses you. Also, it being told you can't do something or you shouldn't do something it pisses people off. It makes them unhappy because th from their perspective, they've just stepped up to the plate and all of a sudden they're like, oh, don't bat that way. No, 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 you shouldn't hold your bat that way. It's like, no, I've been batting my whole life. I know how to do this. It's like, yeah, but you're doing it wrong. And also you're scaring people. It's like, they should, like, they have no reason to be scared. It's that kind of mentality. And unfortunately, they're not, a, like, I think it's growing now, but like, I think a lot of men think they are feminists but they don't realize that they aren't. And they also don't realize what feminism is because a lot of them view, like I've had to make the argument many times that feminism isn't about a female superiority. It's about equality. And then people are like, well, they, we should rename it to equalists. I'm like, it's like saying <laughs> we should say all lives matter. Uh, like th th it's, 
men are not the problem here. And they're like, well, we're, men are now under attack. I'm like, yes, we're under attack because we are not on point yet. <laughs> like, it's like you've been told to shift to the left. You've decided to shift to the left. And everyone's like, and they want like a parade saying, oh my God, you shifted to the left. Good for you. But it's like, no, 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 you need to go to the end of the line. Like we're talking about shifting all the way to the left. And, and they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's insane. Like we shifted to the left. We did our two steps. That's it. And it's like, guys, there's, there's, there are a lot more steps there. You, you got to keep going. And they're like, oh, that's asking too much. Now they want to rule over us. And it's like, they just want equality. And you just don't realize how far that is. And they don't yeah. want to because it's, it's to their benefit at present. Well, yeah, if they're already in a position of power, why would they ever give it away? Exactly. It makes no sense. I think it's really interesting because the only times I do say no is if I feel safe enough to say no. If I don't feel safe, then I won't say no. And that has brought in, I can't even tell you how many times I actually um, did consent to sex because... I'd say majority of it is non-consensual because I don't know how to have the conversation of consent and the whole, oh, one thing leads to another thing. And it's funny because I'll kind of, I will discuss it after the fact and then immediately they'll just retract and be like, oh, well, you consented at this point in time and, and that wasn't the conversation. Yeah. You know, and the point is that like, we're both at fault because both of us have never had to practice this exercise, but then I think the problem now is that fear tactic of like woman pointing fingers and then your whole reputation is at stake. And I think that is the reason why there's this huge protective element for these men to be like, well, screw you. Like, I'm, I'm just going to not listen at all, you know, because I don't want to remove the power. And I also don't want you to attack my reputation and, you know, bring down my entire life, whatever that could be. And to be fair, like, I, I will say that and it, a very, very, very mild version happened with myself. Uh, and oddly enough, it was with this, uh, someone I was involved with. Uh, it was our first, you could say our first kiss. Uh, and we, like we subsequently had many kisses afterwards. But um, for her, when I, I, and I wasn't actually intending to kiss her. I was just actually uh, intending to like kiss her on the cheek. Uh, but like, I was hoping that it would, lead in something like I was looking at it very romantically sort of sort of thing like kind of like recreating a movie scene sort of thing but for her and to be fair I am I'm 6'3 so like I'm a very tall person once you get in close and like when it starts coming to an intimate moment it's like he's a significantly larger individual I wasn't aware that she was feeling nervous uh and she kissed me because she felt that was the thing to do and I felt horrible. Like she told me months later, but like I felt horrible about that. I'm like, that ruins my, my our entire first kiss. And so I, I can understand where the male mindset can go because it's like for them, they have won the day. They have succeeded. They've proven that they're a man because they got a girl to like them and to uh, give them the affection and the, like, the, the attention that they want. And then to find out that that was due to fear for I would say like the average decent male that that's a blow and the stereotypical thing for humanity to do when they receive that kind of a reality check is to become defensive um and so that perpetuates it and I, I 
I think you made a really good point. It's it's both people's fault because we are not in any way taught how to have that conversation unless you, and I'm using air quotes here, kill the mood by saying, hey, by the way, are you consenting to this? And then you're just kind of like the magic is gone. Uh, and then the person has to mechanically be like, well, I'm feeling kind of nervous about it, but I don't want to upset you. So, okay. Then, like, even if both both parties are okay with it afterwards, then it's the 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 moment's gone. Like, no one wants to like kiss a person after that situation. Uh, but we're we also don't have a romantic way of. Well, I wouldn't say that uh, it's not perpetually common for a romantic checking to see if everyone's okay with the situation and no one feels forced due to like fear of rejection or fear of assault if they give a rejection so the society it kind of ultimately goes back to society like there we haven't like we're kind of learning this now like yes the feminist movement has made a lot of strides we're having the discussion there like a podcast like this is happening where people are discussing how to go about it but there, there are two elements that are also something that I find to be a challenge. One, it is very difficult for the oppressed individual to come across calmly to people supporting the oppressors. Unfortunately, calm like data is what eventually wins out. But that is an unfair hardship you're putting on the oppressed you're you, they have suffered and then you're telling them to become and explain how you're perpetuating this, their suffering so a lot, like i hear a lot of men saying well you should have said that calmly like you attacked me and it's like fair you weren't technically attacking her but you were also supporting the person who technically like a, a, like attacked or oppressed her and the, and the same can be said about racial situations uh so for me, having been indoctrinated so early about my sister and kind of continuing on that journey, I can be dispassionate. I can be uh, lacking in judgment because I'm reporting the facts. I'm reporting what I'm seeing. I'm reporting what I'm hearing. Like I have female friends who trust me enough to explain, like tell me about their their hardships, but also about their assaults. And there was at least a year and a half where I had about seven female friends like quite independently telling me about their sexual assaults and that was a very difficult time for me because I couldn't do anything for them aside for just listen and now I am telling their names or telling their details I'm relating their story but like guys I hear about these things and this is what I hear and they're like oh well those are isolated incidents I'm like I'm one person and I've had seven in the last year and a half and that's just things that happened to them within that year and a half that's not counting what happened in their childhood and then I'm also proving that the legal system because some of them actually went to the police didn't work and none of the men who uh, assaulted them received any kind of legal uh, like uh, prison time or even legal censures and for them that's when they they don't really have something to say uh because the thing is I'm coming across as someone who uh uh, it's the same as like uh, someone who has been lost and then you're like a parent who's lost a child in a war and you're saying we shouldn't be sending our kids off to war people would say to like any like a person who hasn't lost anybody oh well you don't know what you're talking about it's like well I lost my son or I lost my daughter in, in the war and then all of a sudden 
they have to change the way they talk to you because you, you, they can't say that to you anymore. Uh, and so th there's that element, but also subtleties are, well, subtleties are hard for the human race to kind of get. Like nuance is not something that is predominantly accepted from humans. Uh, you kind of have to be trained to see nuance or at least understand you need to have some level of empathy uh, to understand nuances if you have no experience. The thing is, the only way for men in general to, on a whole, understand the nuances of the pressure is to go through it themselves. And that would require a whole group of men to be assaulted and, and fearful for years on end. And then to come back and say, oh, by the way, we get you now. So um, those are the two kind of difficult aspects. Like you, it, men don't want to feel like they're being attacked. So an, a, a quote unquote aggressive woman uh, telling them the feminist situation, they're going to describe being like, oh, that girl crazy. Uh, I can come at it in a less judgmental point of view because I haven't experienced that. And I would say that that's, that's a privilege on my part, but at least I'm able to get the point across, but it's an unfair reality that we, that those who are unintendedly oppressing need a calm and collected and efficient uh, discussion in order for them to get on page. Yeah, and I think that's why I started this podcast because I realized my aggressive feminist voice is just not going to be well received amongst the ones that really do need the help, you know. And having that's really unfair. Yeah, having male voices like yours is actually going to push that change because I realized as much as I can get more women on my team, it still doesn't make the it doesn't push change, right? So unless I get male allies to speak up for that yeah. no one's going to listen so it's been an interesting journey but I think now that I'm doing that it is actually helping you know giving other people um a platform to speak but using the safe people that I know to speak fairly is hopefully going to change the discussion because if I was just spouting out my thoughts you can easily just say, oh, which is her take on whatever, exactly. her personal thing. The more voices that agree that come from different places now, there's less ability to refute against me. So it has, you know, strengthened in numbers in that sense. And I think another interesting part is men don't want to indulge in this conversation because they don't want to admit that they have done wrong. Yeah. Because as innocent as it is, back in the day, consent and sexual assault that just wasn't stuff we talked about so yeah. they probably did it without knowing that they were doing it and now they don't want to be punished for it and i think that's completely fair because they didn't know better you, you know use the argument of ignorance um but i think in your case you've actually never had sex with a woman so there's no case for yeah. you technically right so i think that gives you a very different level of power to talk about it because in in no case will a woman come to you and say, oh, well, you took advantage of me in this case, you know? Yeah. Well, look, I, I have had intimate encounters, but like uh, not to the full extent. And that also would make it difficult because like they can still feel pressured. They can still say, I did it because I was scared not to say no. But the thing is like, I am 
even with the situation with uh, with my ex who uh, told me later that like the, the kiss wasn't exactly what she wanted, she did very quickly say, hey, you know, every other subsequent kiss I was very happy about. And also like she, while it may not have been her ideal situation for us to have our first kiss, which, you know, I kind of joined that page much later, she was not regretful of it. Uh, in the sense of like, she's like, she, it was going to happen anyway in her mind. It just happened sooner than she preferred, and she didn't want to say no when the when she thought the opportunity was available was going to happen. She just, it was. It, it's like a again a very nuanced situation. Like we want, like I would say, males tend tend to want to have the pure mindset where it's like, we saw a girl, we asked a girl out, we proved that we were a man by getting her attention, and then we had sex, and then it's like, I'm a man. But then when you say, yeah, well, she kind of said yes, because there's a little bit of like fear there. It's like, no, 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 she didn't. No, no, no she didn't. Uh, so yes, they, they have the fear of getting the claim against them, but also there's a much more deeper one. They don't want the guilt. They don't want to experience guilt because while a lot of them may be, uh, I will say like maybe decent folk, uh, a lot of decent good people when cowardice and guilt come into play they can change because they want to defend themselves so i'm i'm curious have you ever experienced it on the other end where you've had women pursue you because you have an integrity to protect in terms of not wanting to have sex until marriage and have you had that experience where you didn't want to say no to someone you were kind of fearful of just ruining the moment or the relationship and how did how did that go around? I have been kind of inappropriately touched and at times uh, sexually harassed uh, by women uh, akin to a typical college girl. However, while I wouldn't say this is not an excuse for men, so it shouldn't be an excuse for women, but it feels like it is. Uh, all this these were in bars and clubs situations, and also the women were heavily inebriated and also they were like having fun and this is very much the culture that i would say even now is persistent that you technically can't sexually harass a man uh so i don't blame those women because while i was not a fan of it and i there was actually uh, one instance where i was seeing a woman and she broke up with me uh, and I was like, okay, well, I, I was in her apart, I was in her apartment and I, I started to leave. And then she became quite, uh, sexually aggressive with me after, uh, and I was a little confused as to where this was going. She then became very aggressive with me. And it, it, if, if the situations were reversed, this would have been an attempted date rape situation. Uh, the difference was. I was able to throw her off me with a wave of my hand because she was just smaller than me and didn't pose a physical threat. That was, and I, I did explain that to a friend's mind and which kind of got a mild, like people were laughing about it. Now, granted, this was like 10 years ago. Uh, so like we've, the, the societal wokeness in terms of this has made grand strides since then. But back in the day, I had men and women finding that funny. That, that was a funny story I had. Now people are like, oh my God, that happened to you? So it's, it's nice to see that there's been a shift. Um, but I also, even now, am able to realize I never felt endangered. I felt 
uh, I felt very nervous. I felt very uh, unsure of myself. I didn't like what was happening and I just, I just wanted to leave. The difference is I knew I could leave. Uh, you're just bigger physically, right? I, I, and oddly enough, when I threw her off, I did so carefully because uh, her bed was in the corner and I was afraid her head, her head would like fall and hit the wall. So I, I was trying to make it so her head hit the pillow, which it did. But I had that, I had enough of that control and safety to not only throw her off, but make sure she didn't get hurt when I throw her off. Women don't have that. They have to, like, if, if it was the other way around, I, she would have to fight me very hard to get me off her. And I'm able to recognize that that, that is an element where I didn't have that level of fear. I had a fear of societal repercussions, like people would make fun of me for like saying no to sex, or uh, you know, people would make fun of me for you know getting in an awkward situation with a crazy person. But th th there was no, I didn't have a fear of her. It was a fear mm. of the situation. Yes, it's very different. Yeah. Like you're not fearful of your livelihood of actually getting physically hurt. Yeah. In comparison, it's more of the societal implications which you can deal with. Yeah. Technically, yeah. Yeah. So that was. Uh, I've also had like women throwing themselves at me and like trying to kiss me, and I like you know I'm I'm because I'm tall, I'm able to dodge them a lot easier. Uh, and then they start yelling at me for like dodging their kisses. Uh, I've had uh, many women and I, I will assume either bisexual or gay and males are uh, grabbing my butt and crotch quite frequently uh, when I was uh, out and about and I, I would slap their hands away but no one came no one like came at me uh, for doing that. They just were kind of like haha okay and then kind of disappeared in the background that's not the case for women like if they slap the guy's hands away if the guy was angry enough or drunk enough he could very much be like yo how dare you i'm giving you a compliment i don't have to worry about that situation uh so yes i have been inappropriately touched i have been uh, aggressively uh, uh sexually uh, uh, I, I don't think it let's just say that someone was being very aggressive with me sexually and uh I still, while it wasn't a pleasant experience for me, any of those times, there are situations uh, people were able to laugh off and even I was able to laugh off. It's just like, hey, this happened. And I, but it gave me a more unique understanding of what women go through, but a very mild version of it. And so that's curious because I wonder how do you self-identify as a man and like, succeed in your romantic endeavors if sex isn't you know the the, the trophy like what what is success for you in a romantic scenario now uh, just being able to make women feel safe is important to me and having them be safe have fun and also feel pleased and in the time where it's not about me it's about us um that's kind of where I get my satisfaction from. So that's, I think, a very unpopular opinion because most, <laughs> yes. most people. <laughs> are even, in among, themselves, even among with women, I would say yeah. that it, it has not really worked well. <laughs> like, people listening will not have no doubt that my, I'm still single uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I have had a great deal of rejection. But um, 
I would say as I've gotten older, the rejection has become a different sort where before it was like, eh, I see you more as a friend. Uh, I kind of want to go with someone a little bit more, you know, who, who has a bit of an edge to them. Now it's kind of, uh, then it became someone that they don't want to fall in love with. They kind of want to have their fun. And now it's more in the sense of, uh, you know, we're just not ready for you right now. <laughs> it's kind of like we want to be ready for you when we're ready to settle down. Or, because uh, I do tend to also date outside of my faith uh, as well. Like, uh, as I said earlier, I was a Muslim. So, like, Muslim women is a very different, it's a very different situation when you're dating within your community, in, uh, in my community, I should say, versus dating in the Western world, where I would say that I have an equal amount of successes and failures on both sides, just for significantly different reasons. For example, I am too feminist for my community for a lot of times. Uh, in uh, in the Western uh, culture, I am too Muslim. <laughs> so do you kind of, how do you um, express that boundary if you're dating with um, women outside of your community that are not virgins, you know, and they believe that a successful date is going all the way? How do you express that boundary with them and say you're still interested? How, when when do you communicate that? Do you just say it off the jump? Like when, <laughs> when does that happen? Uh, I would say that it, it's something I definitely want to get ahead of, but at the same time, it's not something I'm gonna slap them in the face with. It's not like we sit down, it's nice to meet you. By the way, I'm a virgin and we can't have sex. It's more, <laughs> it's more uh, a situation where I'm like, by the way, uh, if like, if a date is going well on the first date, uh, there tends to be a discussion of like romantic pasts. And very rarely, in fact, I would say that there's only been two times where uh, I've had to say it on the first date, uh, that things have gone to such a degree that you're kind of like, okay, I need to tell you about something. <laughs> usually I get there on the second or third date because that's when, because the first date is usually awkward because uh, mm -hmm. I've done online dating for the last few years as I'm sure many people will uh, agree with or like uh, relate to. And the first date, you're really just trying to see if you guys get along on a conversational basis. And it's, if you can like detect any awkward situations or awkward personality uh, quirks. Sometimes uh, if they are culturally aware, they will say, hey, wait, so you're Muslim. What does that mean long-term? But there are a significant amount of Muslim men who do not, sorry to out you old guys out, but like they don't follow this. Uh, and they just, they have sex nonetheless. So there is an element of, even if they know I'm Muslim, they're not inclined to question. It's more, they're wondering, hey, how do you see the two of us working out in the long run? But by the second or third date, naturally I bring the conversation and it's kind of like, hey, how do you feel about that? Because I, having been raised in the West, I am fully, fully understanding of the idea that this is a natural and at times healthy aspect of a relationship. It's just not that easy for me to do uh, or to partake in that because my culture and religion or how I practice my religion is a little bit more difficult than that. So I just 
that's why I have so many uh, failed attempts at relationships <laughs> and rejection on my uh, back because I've been honest uh, and I've not tried to hide it. And the element of the fact that I'm not trying to hide it is kind of why there is regret uh, from the women's side that I've been detecting. Uh, they they wish it could have been because they know that I'm not someone who's going to be hiding a lot of stuff, but at the same time, they want it. And uh, having a uh, physical relationship that doesn't go the entire direct, uh, the entire way, uh, I, I'm using the bases, uh, they want to go home uh, to the home base. And me saying I'll go to second or third base is kind of like, that's not enough for me. And I, and the fact that I don't respond back with an anger uh, also is like, I, I think at most I've come back with disappointment, like, oh, okay. But uh, without having a severe reaction for me, uh, I think also helps them to not feel as bad about it. Yeah, because I think it doesn't matter which gender you are. I think going all the way or hitting home run is everyone's goal, goal right? Like they want to hit that. So if that's just not even on the plate, you know? Yeah. To keep them understanding, to be like, hey, this, this is just how we just don't have a home base. You know? Yeah. So uh, and I, will, and I will say that there are some people uh, who have been very, very understanding who are, uh, who are of the West and th those women are out there. Um, I don't know about men, but like uh, I, uh, I would say that like, I have experienced women who are from the Western culture who are, they're open to that. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not uh, the majority, I'll, I'll say, but finding them is, is very rewarding. And even though it didn't work out with us, uh, like, Overall, I still hold them in very high regard. Yeah, that's amazing. It seems like there's a lot more of an emotional connection with the relationships yes. you have versus the kind of physical connection, which can be very temporary or transactional once you get involved. And then that's from the start. I have one more question in terms mm. of your engagement with your male friends. If they are talking about sex, with their partners or whatever and maybe everyone's like i don't know what locker room talk is so you could you tell me how it goes um but if they are getting into do they get into granular detail in front of you about sex issues and how do you participate in this do you do you just exit the room like are you curious about it like which what part is interesting to you and how do you self-identify and like remain in the conversation with people that are actively talking about sex uh, I, I was called the vault uh i keep my my friends secrets and also, it helps that they have someone who doesn't judge them for it. Uh, for me, I have, I have heard a lot of details, which is why I'm able to make so many uh, sexual innuendo jokes. And everyone's like, how do you know these things? And it's like, I listen. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah, I've had a lot of my friends. But like I would say in the last eight, six years, I've had, it, it's changed where it's like, not like, them telling me about their sexual experiences uh, in like a positive sense, but it's like how their relationships are, uh, like I am also their relationship uh, sounding board uh, and they talk to me about all aspects of their relationship, including their sex life. And I do at times, like I, I ask being like, hey, how, how are things going in that department? And like kind of like almost as a, I'm almost their therapist in many ways. But the thing is, like, they, they tell me sex, their sex stories more as like an aspect of a much larger issue. 
it's like yeah like when we're together it doesn't feel the same or yeah like we're, we're like you know that still is really good like we, we had sex the other day and like you know what at least we still have that other times it's like the sex is just there uh and um like they're trying to figure out other ways to spice it up so it's it's they don't feel like they need to censor themselves in front of me there's that in many ways uh my friends have on occasion wondered how i'm able to give them advice <laughs> uh even though i haven't experienced it myself and i just kind of bring in healthy mindsets like i have read about like what both men and women view to be uh, healthy sexual relationships uh, I've heard from my my male friends about like how they feel in in certain sexual situations, and I've definitely heard my female friends talking about their sexual uh, feelings uh, when in that in that state. So in a way, I'm able to give like a perspective that neither side has heard before. I think that's so interesting because I mean I get a lot of validation by offering my thoughts from personal experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people do that. Like someone will reveal a story about sex. And then if you've had a different relationship then like you'll kind of add your take on it and everyone contributes. So without you contributing, where do you personally explore your sexuality and do you at all? I definitely have a lot of suppression clearly because I need to be in constant control, uh, not to kind of let my carnal desires take over, which is a, is a definite struggle um but i guess after years of practice uh and also with years of you know between dates uh, or like times when you can express yourself uh, physically with another person you kind of just it's now no I, I think when i was younger i viewed uh sex with a woman as like something on a pedestal where it's like it's this grand thing that like you know you need to be on top of your game for and then at the same time you need to be good at it and all that sort of stuff yeah like if you're trying to be the best she's ever had you're probably gonna have a lot of tension uh because you're like yo I, I gotta perform but if you're just there to kind of like step by step i, I like for me it's like step by step enjoy each level uh and for me i just haven't gotten to the final level so i've been enjoying the preview like the 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 steps that lead up to the final level as long as i'm i'm doing that and that they're having a good time yeah i'm i'm able to feel satisfied with that but i also know i am very much in my like a unique isolated outlier uh, in that data set so you can't like i i haven't really come across many people like me who are feel as equally as i do like i think i know four in my life well yeah because you're saying that you 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 get pleasure out of being able to please them or make them feel safe or make them feel good or like yeah. the intimacy that you guys create together whereas i'd say like typical sexual beings in 2020 they're in it for themselves yeah. you know they're they're in it to count orgasms and the ones that masturbate or practice a lot on themselves know what they want and you know kind of use other people as vehicles to get what they want out of it yeah. as a sense of control or whatever. So without that, like, how do you, do you feel like you're missing out in your own personal understanding of your sexuality and what you like? Because it seems like you've always just been there for everyone else. Like, oh, absolutely. What is it about you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I will very much take that in that like, 
I am clearly missing out. Um, the, the, I have learned to live with it. I have learned to kind of work it towards my, I guess you could say betterment towards treatment of others. And I, I not that like, if let's say I hypothetically I have sex tomorrow, I don't think my outlook on women is going to change or my treatment of them will change. It will just be that I've had sex now. Okay. That's very interesting. Cause I always think like, if I were to imagine someone in your position, maybe like a young girl, you know, and I'd want to be super protective of her if she's, you know, anticipating that sex is going to be like this and I want to be in a safe space and I want this to be meaningful. And you do wish that upon people for their first yeah. time, but without them having an internal understanding of their own sexuality and what they like, I don't know if this is just a female perspective or not, because as women, we've just been the vehicle for men's pleasure that I think it's been especially important for women to understand their sexuality would you say that that matters as much to you as a man no i would say that like guys are significantly easier to please uh than females like i literally just need to there are a lot of different things a man has to do to please a woman which i've learned from my experiences um and it takes work it takes a long time guys you, you do one or two one of two things maybe three things if you really want to get down to it but ultimately you're doing the same thing in three different aspects he good he done hell you don't even have to be there it's like he like if you got him a doll he would still be completed though women like if they were using other instruments would have to have the nuances of how what works for them specifically because unlike with guys like a woman, I would say, if she wanted to be like someone who would make men like achieve ecstasy, she wouldn't have to change much from guy to guy to guy. A male who wants to do the same thing towards women would literally have to constantly hand tailor his approach per woman. It wouldn't be one thing fits all. It would be like you have to kind of find what works for her because it, it just it's a lot more nuanced guys there's no nuance which is why men are not inherently nuanced either because it's kind of for them we want this to we want our dicks to be feel good that's it uh and with women it's like you have to do a lot more for them to feel good about themselves uh in terms like physically uh in terms of pleasing so there's a lot more work on uh, uh, for a guy to do on a woman than um, a woman to do to a guy, which is why I think for, uh, for me, you know, ultimately she knows what to do to make me happy. It's, I find it more rewarding and more what makes me feel like I'm a man when I'm actually able to make a woman feel good. Uh, Cause I know how difficult it is to get for them to get to that point, especially with them not giving me clues like I, I do listen I'm, and I'm happy to listen uh, but at the same time I would like to be able to figure it out on my own and there have been on occasions times that I've been able to do it not not a lot not a lot I'll grant you uh, uh, I will say I'm, I'm very much batting a very small uh, fraction but being able to do that and have her not have to say anything that makes me feel like a million bucks. But again, I'm I'm a very much an outlier in, in this uh, statistic. Yeah, and I, I think that is an amazing attitude. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of men 
say they have the same attitude as you, but with the woman that they're with, a lot of the women just don't say that they're not achieving the goal really. Um, because women have been taught to silence and to always like coax the man and make him feel okay. When it's always been about the woman's pleasure, you're saying basically, right? Like that's been the harder pursuit clearly. Yet, you know, women are the ones reading all these women's magazines talking about men and their sexual organs, yet men aren't doing the same reading about how to please a woman. And, and it, it's funny that they literally think that they are the biggest pleaser of women just because they haven't heard the complaints to their face. And yeah, I've been experiencing times where like, I do explain my complaints because I want to be, those go? I want to be autonomous for my like pleasure. It doesn't go well at all because they think I'm an anomaly because I'm the only person ever in their entire sexual life that's complained before, but they don't realize that I'm the only one that was brave enough to complain. Yeah. Cause like while they may have, cause also another thing I've, I've been learning is that, um, and don't get me wrong. When I first heard this, this, this was very difficult for me to like both hear and comprehend, but it's kind of like women are enjoying the time, but they aren't, they don't get taken to completion. And so, but they do recognize that the guy, like in the, I would say it's not common like uh, at all, but it, there are times when guys are working very hard to please the woman. It's just that they're not able to like last as long in order to, for that to occur. Or, you know, like maybe the woman's uh, not really feeling it or like, you know, she loses uh, like the, there's a break in the flow, anything like that. But the thing is like, what men don't understand is that women are actually from what I've been told, are appreciative of the effort. But having those words said to them is like, it's not like, they're like, oh, we thank you. But the thing is, the reason why they say, oh, wow, you did a great job is not so much like that they did a great job. It's more in the fact that like, we don't want you to stop trying because you're discouraged because men have fragile egos in this area. So if you're saying, you know, I, I I didn't get it, but at the same time, thanks for thanks for trying. They're gonna be like, well, screw you! I don't want, I don't want to try again ever, as opposed to so they have to kind of be like, you did a great job, so that they actually will try again, and they will be like open to like going to like give it their all the next time as well. So I find that uh, that's also a thing where even a good like even with a good guy who wants to please, they still have to be careful of the ego because the male ego is a incredibly fragile and i will admit that i have experienced male ego uh, fragility uh and it's just kind of like damn it and then it's like don't be sullen like you know i had a good time I'm like yeah but you didn't have a great time did you and then like you kind of like turn off on health and like turn to the side and like i don't want to talk about it yeah and, and and i think it's hilarious because guys won't bat an eyelash to say that they didn't have a great time you know they'll be as critical as they want to yeah. And some of them very, very mean about it, you know, like they might very body shame people, it. right? So the fact that they have no problem doing it, yet they can't receive it, really bothers me. And that's why I've always been vocal about it. So what would you say to someone like me that is trying to get my point across so that I can improve my sex life with these guys without having to you know revert back to silence and not say what i really care about because i want to have an open mature conversation about both of our shortcomings sexually 
so that both of us can actually get to where we want to be. And I realized that this conversation might be really intimidating based on just how open I am about talking sexually. And, you know, how, how would you say women that are, you know, sexually open today, how would they be able to improve their communication and get better sex from their partners without um, wounding their ego too much? I'm assuming you're talking about like people that you're in a relationship with and not just like people you're kind of like hooking up with oh, like casually because um, unfortunately the only suggestion I have comes from people who are actually wanting to be together. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so you think there's like, a difference? There is because um, if you're just hooking up with someone or like you know if you choose to have like a one night stand you don't really care it's like it can work out so it's like well, well I'm not gonna, I'm not going to see you again so I'm not going to give you a review. Uh, with someone that you're like, like regularly, uh, casually seeing, I wouldn't know how to go about having that conversation because, uh, my only way of doing it would be is if there's a intention of being in a relationship, because that's when communication is necessary with someone that you're kind of hooking up with. That is something I'm, I'm not really familiar with. So I wouldn't know how to answer that question. Interesting, because I think of it, it's if it is a casual relationship, and this is, you know, mostly hookup culture, and they, they, I would say at least 50% of the relationship is sex, and the other 50% is whatever, building a connection in some other way. If 50% of your relationship is sex, and you're not being satisfied with that 50%, then of course you want to talk about it, because then why would I continue doing this over and over again? But then if this is a casual relationship that's supposed to be sexual, how can you not be open to discussing that? Because I, I seem to get a lot of um, excitement about how to make, um, I get a lot of enthusiasm, let's say, on making the sex more exciting. Uh-huh. But once I want to talk about actual improvement on like technique or timing or like anything that is actually on their end, not a you know group end, yeah. um, that becomes a problem immediately. Like full shutdown, like, incorrect you like this is not true yeah and and that's where i think the mindset comes in for males in, in a casual hookup uh like situation their idea is just to hook up so they don't want to put in the effort um it's kind of like they're going to put in just enough effort to make themselves feel good and if they think that it's making the other person feel good then great but if they start saying that hey this is not working for me then it's like well we can find some other people well, I think you said a lot of truth there, which is saying that if it is a casual thing, he's only going to put in the minimal effort to get himself off. There's no incentive for him to try harder unless there's a desire for a relationship. Right. And I think I've always had the short end of that stick because I will eventually get attached, of course. Over time, you know, you spend more time with somebody and as casual as it is, I want improvements on both the personal side as well as the sexual side. And then this is when I always realize that I'm not getting everything that I deserve, you know, that I'm kind of like not appreciating my own self-worth in the same sense, because you just said right now, like, yeah, if, if I was going to give any criticism, they can go find another girl tomorrow and continue that kind of detachment, you know? And exactly. yeah, I think that's unfortunately really dangerous on the other side, like for, for women specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I want to end off with um, one question, which is what negative ideas do your female friends have about themselves that you wish you could change? 
that they deserve how they're being treated. That in order for them to get anything, they need to accept the bad that they're being treated. Okay. Uh, there, I can elaborate in the sense that, like, I know such wonderful women, truly lovely individuals, who are, and and this may very well very well sound like a cliche, but they are used to being um, valued for their physical aspects or for their uh, availability of emotional bolstering for the male ego. And they diminish themselves and diminish their self-worth for the sake of believing that is the only value they can get because society and parentals, but let's say society have created an atmosphere where if you have standards for a male, you're too picky. You're, uh, you're too much of a bitch or uh, you're too, uh, what are the other th uh, things? It's like uh, you have high expectations uh, that are never going to be met. And it's like, so the fact that you're wanting a decent individual to treat you well, while at the same time pleasing you in a relationship and sexually is having too high of standards. Please don't lower those standards because like my friends, uh, my female friends, and I should say women in general, but like coming from uh, like my personal pre pre uh, preferences, my friends deserve a guy who, tr who cares about my friends wants what's like wants to please them and also wants to treat them well not because they want sex but because that they want to have a healthy relationship now granted there's people fight people have their own ideas of what they want a relationship to be but as long as it's not like you know my idea is that a woman should stay in the house and listen to whatever i say if it's like, hey, I, I kind of I want us to live in, in a rural part versus the city, or I want to have I want to have kids versus not have kids, or like those sorts of things where it's not so much the fault of the woman for everything. It's more like you and her have different ideals that are just like we're, you're trying to figure out how to connect. I would much prefer those discussions as opposed to you're not doing enough for me. You're not pleasing me as often as I would like. You're not uh, as available as I want you to be. And uh, and incidentally, you can you're supposed to do all this work to make me feel good, but I don't have to give you anything aside from my attention whenever I feel like giving it. So yeah, I I, I want my female friends to not have to lower their standards in order to have any type of companionship. I, I hate the fact that they have to sacrifice their standards for just the bare minimum of what a companionship is defined as. Damn, that hit me right in the feels. That's a whole umbrella of issues on what we think we deserve based on the treatment of others. I told you this was going to be a wild chat. I got schooled with the notion of attempting to wound male egos, I guess, when talking about sexual performance as a way to control the relationship. The idea that I'm actually very afraid to say no, and that's often why I don't, and get myself into dangerous situations. 
and also just hearing how a self-proclaimed male feminist explained the idea that men think they've done enough already and that the feminist movement is complete and it's now becoming unfair. I truly didn't know what to expect on this first episode and I especially didn't think I'd get this emotional about it. What did you think? What topics jumped out to you that you want me to elaborate on? And please, please, please DM me on Instagram at Miss Amanda Chen if you want to be on the show or know of any interesting men that I can interview. I'm trying to get 100 out there and I clearly don't know enough guys, so please help me out. Thank you so, so much for sticking around this long and I'll catch you next Wednesday with another episode of the Miss Amanda Chen Show. Bye for now.